go. All right. All right. This won't be very good, but I wrote it. So here we are. iron brings a podcast with a deep appreciation for the game of baseball baseball america's pastime baseball a game of rules a game in which a batter must progress from home plate and touch in order first second and third base before returning home and crucially touching it and recording a run scored there are a lot of complications and formalities, but the game really just boils down to start at home, run around, touch home plate, score. The problem with rules, even ones mutually agreed to, is the question of enforcement. And if an umpire decides in the middle of a baseball game that suddenly it doesn't actually matter if a runner touched the plate, that the run should count anyway, what are we to make of the world if the rules no longer apply? If we can't even have, within the chalked confines of the baseball diamond, an agreed-upon set of standards for maintaining order and outcome. What hope is there for the rest of this chaotic and disintegrating mess that we call the universe? My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Yeah. Lori's here, too. How are you doing, Lori? Lori loves baseball. Today is Monday. I like baseball. April 12th, 2021. Abe, you know what today is? Is this when the Titanic set sail? Yes. <laughs> no. Yes, no. also. It set sail or on the 10th. Sink. Set sail it, on the 10th. Yeah, it was. It sank on the 12th? Okay. I think it first, maybe, so. I don't know. There's Titanic involved around <laughs> April 12th. The Civil War started on <laughs> April 12th. Uh Oh, no kidding. Uh, David Letterman was born on April 12th. Look at uh, that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, FDR was also born on April 12th. <laughs> and, uh, very popular day. Popular day, yeah. No, but obviously it's a very special day for our family because uh, Jamel Bowie, actually, I think, was actually also <laughs> born on on April 12th. New York Times columnist. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's Chris's birthday. Happy birthday, Chris. That's right. Happy birthday. My oldest brother, who's still two years younger than me, although... He well, doesn't listen. So. He doesn't listen, so none of this matters. But I will get to tell him that we talked about him on the podcast, and he will be and then he'll mad about it, because he does not ever want us to talk about him on the podcast. Abe, you uh, look like you got some sun, buddy. Were you... Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Abe, you look exactly the same to me. Yeah. Did you, uh, you enjoy your trip out to Tybee? Yeah, I did go to Tybee, um, and I wasn't aware of Tybee until somebody said, you want to go on a weekend thing? And I was like, yeah, sure, you know, the way I make my decisions. And uh, <laughs> it's right next to Savannah, for those that don't know. It's a weird little city or a, a little island because it's just a bunch of old people that live there. Like, we spent some time in Tybee Island, and everyone we interacted with was way too old. <laughs> and then on the few occasions we went to Savannah – 
it was everybody was way too young. I don't know if it was spring break it's or spring what, but everybody just for a okay. lot of different things. Everybody just looked like they were fifteen. It was just way too young to be out and about. There was one interesting um, incident on the uh, Tybee Island, the beach, which is not a very good beach. You know, it's one of those sloppy looking beaches. What do you mean? What makes it, it is it like too too many? It's not like too- clean. It's got a lot of just stuff. It's like just rocks. Not a very it's not, not, not a fine sand beach. Yeah, right. there was like a an area where there's like there's a warning sign that says something about nesting venomous snakes or something. It's very oh. odd. <laughs> inviting. But you know, <laughs> you can plop down and and sit down and relax and throw the ball around, which is what we did. Now most people there are either like old people or just like family people, and then there's us, right? And out of nowhere, this uh, bachelorette group of girls came and somebody had like the dildo prop and some like uh, party snacks and all yeah, this weird like penis just, stuff. just penises everywhere yeah 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 just like on the nose right and i'm like oh well this is gonna run afoul of somebody because you know some people have their kids running around and whatever moments later as we're throwing the ball around we hear some commotion between that group and a family it's like some weird like mixture of like russian dude and asian woman and like some kids and it's i'm thinking oh here we go this is what i said it's gonna be a problem it's like this is you know somebody somebody buried a dildo in the sand and some kid <laughs> dug it up everybody it's all fun and games until junior <laughs> unearths a dildo when he's trying to build a sandcastle i thought it would go something along that right. but all i caught was at the end it was the bachelorette group saying to the family, that's disgusting. I'm going to call the police. To the family. And the family just left. What I was, was like, what? Was a kid like what? peeing in the sand or something? What could possibly be the problem? <laughs> Probably. Funny you mentioned that because immediately I went to one of those kids either shat or pissed somewhere. Right. Like casually. Like th- that's the only possibility because like, first of all, where do they get off telling somebody something's inappropriate? Like you're being inappropriate yourself in the setting that you're in you know right. which is also, fine it's you the know? beach nobody's like wearing any fucking clothes like the beach right. is a place where like the beach norm- is gross normal rules don't apply you're getting in the but ocean all the weird. animals and the people just go in there and they pee all over everything and you think it's like cleansing people get all like emotional about going in the ocean water it's disgusting right it's just, i mean this is again this is think of whatever beach you may have in mind and it's worse than that uh <laughs> there was like a a probably homeless couple that was just sleeping there with like just a lot of random stuff uh it was just one of one of these weird beaches but i just thought it was funny that it went the other way it was like a switch yeah. room that they took great offense to whatever it is that they did i'm i'm guessing a piss or a shit I'm very disappointed that your investigative reporter instincts did not kick in and you did not walk over there to find out what had so disgusted the bachelorette party. <laughs> Talk about a perfect in for a young, available, and handsome man such as yourself <laughs> to go find out Abe what always, had so Abe disgusted. Abe has a really great record just walking up to groups of women and speaking. Yes. That's right. <laughs> like, I'm just going to resume throwing the ball around poorly. Hey, I don't know if you heard me at the top of the show there bitching about baseball rules. Oh, yeah? Not rules. Did you watch the baseball the game last night? The unenforcement of the rules. I wouldn't say I watched it, no. Do you, what, what are, you, are you familiar with what happened at the end of the Braves game last night? No. So last night, Did something? Yes. there's a baseball game uh, on sure. ESPN. So it's the national game of the week 
basically. If if baseball can be said to have one of those things, it's the Sunday night game on ESPN. It sucks. And what sucks? Do they have about? a new crew every yeah, like, couple of years. These uh, shows. That it's was the changed. stupid ESPN crew. Which yeah, the sucks. ESPN crew kind of sucks, but. I don't, I'm not in love with the Braves' home broadcast crew anyway, better. so it doesn't matter. Don't need to be Especially in love now because it. the way ESPN runs their national broadcasts, at least when it comes to baseball, is they treat it like it's just sort of a talk show that's going on. And then incidentally, there's a baseball game going on in the background right. that they occasionally talk about. <laughs> Whereas, like, the people who are going to tune in for a Sunday night baseball game, if you're not just a fan of the two teams that are playing, are people who really like the game of baseball. I don't know what ESPN right. doesn't understand about this. If we wanted a <laughs> podcast featuring just talk about the sport in a general sort of way, we would get that on our phones. We wouldn't tune into ESPN for it on a Sunday night. We want people to talk about the game of baseball, whatever. At the end right. of the top of the ninth inning, I think it was, the Phillies had a runner on third base with less than two outs. So a fly ball to the outfield, conceivably, could have given right. them the go-ahead run. And so that's what happened. A fly ball goes out to left field to Marcelo Zuna, who catches it. This is the Braves guy. And he throws home in an attempt to, because if you get the ball to home plate and you tag the guy before he touches the plate, then he's out, They're out. right? Mm-hmm. Throw home, perfect throw home. A perfect reception by the catcher who receives it. Just to the uh, foul line side of home plate, uh, the left field foul line, and he's got his body is not blocking the plate, but he's able to slide over into the blocking position once he makes the catch, which is like to the letter of the current law in baseball. It used to be that a catcher could just squat over home plate like a, a lineman or something in football and just block the plate whether he had the ball or not but it caused too many problems too many collisions and they're worried about right. head, head injuries and all the rest so they adjusted the rules or you're not allowed to just block the plate unless you've already got the ball so he catches the ball slides over and applies the tag and in, at full speed it looks like he got there before the guy touched the plate but it's possible that the leg slid in under the tag so that because the tag goes up on the upper thigh, it's possible that his foot was in there first. So yeah, they called the, the foot. The, the umpire calls him safe. It could have gone a number of ways. Could have gone either way from just one camera looking at it. Right. So did they, it, did they say that the, the the foot or whatever created the obstacle? Did they make a, some sort of ruling, or they just said safe and no? Uh, they just just called him safe. They didn't. They didn't say that there was any violation of the rules. The umpire just made the call. Yeah. His foot got in before the tag got it down. Was, it was fifty-fifty. If I was, if anyone had been there in the moment, and they made a call, it would have been fifty-fifty, whichever way, right. because it was hard does, to tell. Does the tie go to the runner rule apply in this context? In any context, the tie goes to the runner. Yes. Okay, so um, if it's a fifty-fifty. But, but here's the thing about the tie going to the runner: is that the runner has to have touched the base in order for it to have been a tie. Good point. Right. 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 So replay would show that actually the Phillies guy's foot never touched the plate. Still hasn't. Still hasn't. It's been a day. It still hasn't happened. He went home. Wait. Having not touched the plate. And yet they awarded him a run after a replay review. And this is what's infuriating to me about it is that a decade ago. So let's, let's even go back to before... HD cameras were all over the ballpark and you had 11 different angles of the plate and you would know exactly what happened basically in an objective sort of way. 
If that's just a bang bang play, and after watching it a dozen times on the fuzzy replay, and you can't say for sure which way it went, but in my heart as a Braves fan, I'm like, ah, I think he was probably safe. And in some other right. uh, much dumber uh, Philadelphia fan's heart, <laughs> he would say, It's just how they are. Don't laugh. <laughs> he was obviously safe. Um, you would live with the outcome. I, right. I would. Fine. I'd be mad, but like. Right. It would it would be fine because that like you just it's an unknowable thing, but now right. they have eleven different high definition cameras pointed at the plate from all directions, and now they have something called uh, instant replay, uh, uh, video review, where they go to somebody whose entire job is to sit in a dark room in New York City and stare at a screen and determine what the fucking outcome of the play was, regardless right. of what the initial call was. So it. Yes, you're supposed to give benefit of the doubt to the person who was there who made the call initially. But if there is overwhelming video evidence that this other thing happened, then you have to overturn the call. And the fact is, that man's foot never touched the plate. And they reviewed but it, and they called him safe anyway. Do, do they then add, clarify that the reason why they were called safe was because they impeded the runner? No, like, or it just they says just... safe. Call stands as called. Play stands as called. There was wow. no impeding that went on. It was some huh. bullshit. That's all. And, you know, I wonder, like, even though this person, this uh, person stuck somewhere watching it from afar, they're all in the same little click, right? So, this like, is, you this can't is exactly dust. right. You're getting directly to the heart of the matter. This is a right. thin blue line bullshit thing, right? Right. This, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to talk about this with regard to cop behavior in just a few minutes. But right. This is just another umpire who works for the same union, who works for the same group of assholes, right, who doesn't want to make his buddy on the field look bad by suggesting that he got right. the call wrong. You'd be showing him up and then you'll be shunned in this little social circle, you know, they, they may do something to you. Yeah, be because so apparently I would imagine- that it matters more than actually getting it right. That matters more than right. the truth of the matter. But if I was in that circle, I would, you know, not want to be shunned either. So I'm not a, you know, some brave man. I would probably find a more, uh, some reason to say why I'm what sticking by my What sort of a fragile, insecure piece of shit can't admit that in one thirty thousandth of a second, he thought he saw something that didn't actually happen, right? If you're the umpire right. at home plate who made the call... I'm not mad at you because you got that wrong. That was an almost impossible. I'm, I'm. It really would have been impossible for all the bitching that I do about umpires when I'm watching a baseball game where the strike zone is all fucked. It's like, oh come on, give us the robot umpires already. <laughs> like I've tried to do that job. It's fucking impossible. Like it, right, you right. have to be really good, and it takes a lot of training. And it's remarkable. The one thing that baseball replay has proven to me, despite the Braves just constantly getting fucked by bad replay calls over the last few years, is how frequent they actually get it right in the heat of the moment. Like, it's remarkable their combination of senses that they use to figure that out because it's not just looking at the thing. It's the sound that the foot makes when it strikes the bag versus the sound that the ball makes when it strikes the glove. There's like... There's all sorts of different th- – I don't know. Maybe they have advanced noses that know when certain air particles have changed that allow yeah, them to make these calls. Yeah, it's from smell. They're Pretty a sure bunch it's, of puppies. It's like half smell <laughs> from umpires. But yes, 
it's a hard job, but I, I don't understand the fragile ego thing of being worried about somebody overturning your call and you getting upset about it. It's just bogus. Right, but also, okay. Since, what since happens? That... You just go to work the next day anyway, right? Right. They have a strong union. It's not like they can be run out of – like there are shitty umpires who've been shitty umpires for like 20 years and everybody knows that they're shitty umpires and they still every fourth day get to make a call a game from behind the plate. I haven't worked out all of the things here, but remember that uh, book, Ender's Game, uh, where they had uh, simulation, 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 and then they told them it was like a simulation, but actually for real, and they saved the world and whatever, blah, blah, blah. They should come up with a way. If they're going to have these uh, sequestered umps, set it up in such a way where you're just telling them you're just – we're doing some uh, kind of calibrating your your review uh, capability, so we're taking these uh, clips from – games from the recent past and basically if there's a way for them to get it to where you're just sitting there in a booth and you're just you know just for practice reviewing plays right and you know their baseball all looks the same after a while it's just sitting there watching it over and over again and then when the time comes sneak in a, a real life scenario so you can get their honest opinion yeah just so that they'll say oh yeah that's definitely uh out my and favorite, like, Haha, we got you. Right. My favorite part is that you go on Braves Twitter last night and today, and everybody is just talking about how it's rigged. Like it's it's obviously rigged. It's like, Fans always yeah, go to that. The, like, the guy in the booth is a fucking Phillies fan. Like you really think that that's what's happening, or that like Rob Manfred decided in April decided that yeah. Nine games into the season, it was important that this game gets yeah. handed to the Phillies in a way that makes it much harder for the Braves to come back and win it in the bottom of the ninth. Like it, people always reach for the most convoluted conspiracy. It's like the most obvious things. It's always these people know each other. I don't know other. how they a person cares other. about any baseball in April. Right. I, it's That's none true. of these games mean anything. I understand that they do, but they don't. Speaking of uh, things of dubious mattering, uh, DMX died last week. That was a rude transition I just made. That's not not exactly how I meant it. It just doesn't matter to you. It matters to his 17 Uh, kids. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. Whenever somebody uh, is in a, when they describe him as being in a vegetative state and then he died like days later, I've already in my head done the this person is dead like nobody ever like comes back from people do tracy morgan did was he in a vegetative state yeah remember he got in a car i mean he got in a serious accident with that walmart truck whatever i know he's not doing well right but usually whenever i hear that like okay that that means that this person's pretty much dead i mean unless it's like the 700 club they do those stories where you know i was dead and i came back and whatever i don't know how much of a thing this is but I was listening to NPR on Friday afternoon, and it was the end of All Things Considered, the last two stories were a, uh, a history of the Proud Boys and the way that they have the, – the way that that – what amounts to a, a gang, a sort of – they would call themselves Western chauvinists. They would be uncharitably described as a bunch of young white supremacists and – Depending on which of the founders slash leaders that you listen to or talk to, you can make the case that they are, in fact, a group of white supremacists. I don't know that the, the label ultimately matters. They're, they're a bunch of stupid shitheads. And they're, they're very proud, willfully provocative in that vein, right? They're sort of very much far right 
and a bunch of trolls. Anyway, a bunch of them have been, or a few of them are going to be charged for their actions uh, during the January 6th so-called insurrection, including a couple of the leaders who had talked about going up there and getting into war or something like that. Right. It's a long, it's like six minute long feature story about this group of young white men who are very bad and violent and do bad things. Appropriately enough, I'm going to play a, a short clip from it because it's, there was an amusing to me anyway, transition from one story to the next. So I'm going to play the end of the white supremacist story and then the beginning of the next story. Okay. In court, their attorneys argue that it's unfair for the government to blame them for the violence committed by others. But prosecutors have argued that Biggs and Nordine set the tone for the group when they promised war. And for years, the group has made clear that violence it views as justified is not only tolerated, but celebrated. Tom Dreisbach, NPR News. Earl Simmons, better known as the rapper DMX, has died following a heart attack and several days on life support. At the height of his popularity in the early 2000s, he was everywhere, on the radio and in movies, too. Simmons died today in New York. He was 50 years old. And Pierre's Andrew Limbong has this appreciation. DMX's voice had a texture to it. He shouted and growled his way through his song, signaling an aggression that could really only come from... All right, so first of all, <laughs> DMX, a fucking awesome voice, right? There's just no getting around it. I thought this was going to be... Because when I heard of it, uh, there was uh, some very straight-laced uh, reporter saying, uh, known for such hits as X gonna give it to you, and he started <laughs> rattling off all of the songs, and it just sounded so funny when he was saying it. Uh, just very proper, like... So... I used to fucking love a couple of DMX songs. Like I, I still do. I listen to that uh, the Party Up song. It's great. Um, You've never sounded whiter than you did what? just now saying, <laughs> listening to that Party Up song. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I get it. It's not, obviously I wasn't, I mean, to, to say that I wasn't the audience for it is a lie. Because in 1999, what? I was 16 oh, yeah. or 17 years old, and I was 100% the audience it for it. It was on MTV. Right. Yeah. It, and he seemed like he's, he has a unique voice. I, I, since this is obviously a hip hop podcast, and I'm a long, <laughs> well studied appreciator of the genre. We have like two Eminem CDs downstairs. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I would like to point out that I think that DMX is like uh, he presages little john in an important way just in the way that he right. presents as sort of like his own hype man and he does the he's constantly like sounding like he's off mic and yelling what right. and yeah right. and right <laughs> and like, except he and don't like sound like yeah. <laughs> uh, he's great dmx is great uh he's also like a demonstrably awful human being he's like the worst homophobe ever i think oh well, I'm sure that's a stiff competition there. Uh, I, I'm don't, sure there are... I don't think that it is. It's really bad. No, there's a lot of competition for that particular category. But he did have some terrible songs. The uh, the notable one, as far as the homophobia goes, is... Uh, what is it called? Hang where on, the hood at? Think, yeah, where the hood at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it should be noted. My, uh, <laughs> my rap knowledge is up on par with yours, Bob. <laughs> yeah. 
Hang on, let me see if I can find the important part of this song. It starts off. It's the first verse, but he does a chorus <laughs> first. Some eulogy. <laughs> Look at him saying some homophobic shit. All right, so this will be the unclean ver- or this will be the the unclean version of this song, "Where the Hood At," which, you know, not that we need content warnings here on the show, but Chris does apparently. Yeah, Chris does. Chris won't play the show because he's w- worried that people in his office will hear us say bad words. Oh, uh, when in reality, <laughs> it's not the bad words that are the problem with the things that I say most of the time, <laughs> in terms of whether or not it's appropriate for corporate environs. <sighs> Right. But uh, real quick, here's the first verse of Where the Hood At. Where the skull be? Fucking with a nigga like me. D to the M to the X. Last I heard, that niggas was having sex with the same sex. I show no love to homo thugs. Empty y'all below the domo slugs. How you gonna explain fucking a man? Even if we squash the beef, I ain't touching the head. I don't fuck with chumps. For those that been to jail, that's the cat with the Kool Aid on his lips and pumps. I don't fuck with niggas that think. They bras only know how to be one way. That's the dog. I know how to get down, know how to bite. Bark very little, but I know how to fight. I know how to chase a cat up in a tree. Man, I can't have niggas to finish for fucking with me. And she crazy. Where the hood, where the hood, where the hood at? Had a nigga in the truck, where the wood at? All the niggas acting this is uh, old hat, Bob. I, I've seen this uh, sort of uh, thing all the time. That's Back really, the day, really explicit in terms of what right. it is that he doesn't like and who he's mad at, and it's just gay people. Wasn't there a? What's uh, not clear like is this, why. <laughs> it's almost kind of a, a tropey kind of thing. Wasn't there uh, the Adam Sandler like uh, longest yard one where like. Somebody plays that role, like this effeminate person who's like trading sex for favors, and right. they, it's wrong. But it's uh, I've seen this before. Yeah, did Adam Sandler like dance in front of a giant group of shirtless men <laughs> talking about how he wanted to beat that guy up? Though, <laughs> fair enough. All right. <laughs> so The point is, DMX, not an upstanding citizen in the way that we would normally think of them, right? And yet, on NPR, he gets what amounts to a hagiography. Right. They're, they're talking about him as though he's this sainted man simply but because they, he was uh, popular. But did they talk him up in any way? It seemed like they allowed a very clean, like, this person. Of the last notoriety part of that died. clip that I played from NPR was, here's so-and-so with an appreciation so yes right, but you they played him okay. up but it was, so, it's just amusing let me finish the stupid point because i was right. just amused by the contrast of here's six minutes on what's wrong with angry young white men and how they've come to ruin our entire society and then here's three minutes on this awesome dmx guy who's like an unrepentant dogfighter and who went to jail like a dozen different times and who was once arrested at a Homeland Security checkpoint after 9-11 for impersonating a federal officer, uh, but right. who we all loved, you know, just because right. he was a man of God or what have you. Right. No, you're right. I, I, I suspect that they, they pulled some punches because, you know, he's dead. Uh, th- there were plenty of other opportunities to, to mention that usually when people die, they don't want to say, oh, by the way. I'm sure like uh, Muammar Gaddafi, when he got that, uh, that violently killed— you know, they're like, oh, he died. He was whatever. Like, I, I think 
the, because the, the he beloved died. but controversial Momar Gaddafi. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> With the many different spellings of his names. He did some things and he died. But that is, I think you may be onto something where some people, they do kind of skirt around like the bad stuff they've done. Like, and it's not even like somebody who's died. Like, I, I was watching some CBS This Morning segment they did on uh, Eddie Murphy for that terrible Coming to America sequel. Right. And they were talking about his comedy specials like Delirious and Raw. And if you watch yeah, either of those. they're not very nice. It is not very nice. But the people were eating it up, you know. So, but they will just say, oh, successful stand-up show. Right. But they don't well, say Snoop, Snoop Dogg spent. was charged with murder, and now he, like, hangs out with Martha Stewart on CBS. Like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> Acquitted of murder. She's a felon. That's true. Yeah, she's the bigger problem to uh, society at large. All right. Let's uh, open up the WGAS newscast. It's All time right. for Who Gives a Shit News. Probably going to be insensitive. Let's start with Dante Wright. Who gives a shit, right? <laughs> who died following this is the Minnesota one, an right? encounter Not with police in Minnesota about 10 miles away from where the George Floyd situation happened. No relation. And I'm sure just a total coincidence. But Dante Wright was pulled over by the police and eventually fatally shot by the police. Pulled over for one reason or another. Like, I, I keep on hearing different things. But So he, he calls his mother as he's being pulled over. He's a 20-year-old kid. He calls his mother and says, I'm being pulled over because of air fresheners dangling from my rearview yeah, mirror. can't have them blocking but your But, of view. course, he does not know that. Yeah, how can he ascertain that from at that point? I'm assuming that not, he's just guessing. But that's a— Also, by I mean, the way, and not, not to blame the victim, but— why are we still selling air fresheners that dangle from rearview mirrors? You're not blaming a, the victim. It, it's a plainly illegal thing to do is to hang an air freshener from your rearview mirror. Today I learned. I did not know that. That's an actual illegal it's thing. State what to is state. The, but look, what is the harm in these states that frown upon it? Like, they don't want you to you have your view of the roadblocks. Right, because all of the regulations oh. for how you build a fucking car and a windshield is all about blind spots and where you're allowed, what, what you must be able to see out of. And so if you have a big Christmas tree dangling off of your rear view mirror, then it's blocking your view in some but, potentially serious way. If you see some kid walking on the sidewalk, like I do this all the time where I find my blind spot and then put something in it and track how far I can go. It's obviously a very safe thing to do while I'm driving around in a moving vehicle. <laughs> but I like to try to all see. All the time you do this? Yeah, it's like one of the, like, the same, same way that I now. count steps. I'm almost always, if I'm driving a car, looking for what I can stick in the blind spot and how long it will stay there. Anyway. Silly thing that I do. I also count the letters in words as I speak them. I'm sort of ah. a broken person. But <laughs> uh, why are you able to buy these fucking things at every gas station in America, apparently? But these are not that uh, – maybe I, I haven't seen one in a while, but from what my memory is telling me, they're not that – Big. No, they they're not are. that big. They're also dangerous. Have like, like, it's about how far it dangles down. Okay. Which you is more so. like your phone would be or a dash. I, I don't know. Maybe. I'll have to Google this and see because from my recollection, it didn't seem like it was that big of a obstructive view thingy. But maybe it is. 
Well, it doesn't matter. You're just not supposed to have shit hanging off your... Definitely murder someone who well, does obvious, it, though. Obviously right. not, and that's not what I'm saying. Or maybe it was because he had temporary tags or wasn't correctly displaying his tags because apparently they had just gotten this car or the registration was... they just got in the car and the registration wasn't done yet, and so the sticker was wrong on the license plate that was there. It doesn't... It's not clear yet, I don't think, what exactly the cop's justification was for pulling him over. And not only pulling him over, but in the process of arresting or placing him in handcuffs, at least, to maybe decide later. I don't know if people do the uh, well, hold and release thing. Well, well they, ran his, you- they, they ran his ID and found out that there was a warrant out for his arrest. Okay. And he actually had a couple of different warrants out for his arrest. Uh, previously, he'd been arrested over unpaid fines for two minor misdemeanors, a marijuana case and for yelling at a cop, like yelling obscenities at a cop. And I think that was old stuff, so that had cleared. You can't yell at a cop? What country are we in? Let me pull up the exact language so I can tell you exactly what sort of country we are. I flipped off a cop once. Totally fine. Abe, you have a weird magic when it comes to cops. (laughs) Criminal disorderly conduct, offensive or abusive, noisy and obscene, is what he was charged with as a misdemeanor. Wow, we're just making things up. Okay, so so that's why or one of those reasons. So that's an old one. There's a third misdemeanor case that appears to be the reason that he was going to be arrested. He was, and this was issued on April second, due to a failure to appear at a remote. At a, at a Zoom hearing or whatever, and who knows why that was, but he was... And that would be connected to some other thing that he was cited for? Yes, and I believe that one was because he was carrying a gun uh, without a permit in a public place. So that's another misdemeanor. It's a bigger misdemeanor than cursing out a cop, but that was what triggered it. And I don't know that they knew because... Oftentimes, all a cop knows once he runs your ID is there's a warrant out for your arrest. He doesn't necessarily know, I don't think, that it was a gun crime, uh, potentially. That is the warrant's reason. It might have been something much dumber. like Not not paying paying a tag might be a reason. Or not paying child support is a big one. Right. But the point is, there was a warrant out for his arrest, and that's the reason that they were trying to put him in handcuffs. And I don't like to play or watch uh, these Faces of Death videos that you watched were, it earlier. were tasked with watching. This one I did watch, and I'm going to play the clip now. And there's no evidence of a gunshot happening in the clip, so I don't know where or when exactly it happens. I have to assume fake news. based on everything that happened. But there's not the sound that you would associate with a gun firing. I don't know if it was too loud that it blew out the microphone on the camera or something. Right. And so it right. didn't record it. But so I'm gonna play this. It's very short, it's just thirty-six seconds. In summary, he tries to struggle away from one officer, 
who's trying to handcuff him behind his back, and he's standing right next to his car. He struggles away, gets back into his car for some reason, and another officer runs up and says, I'll tase you, and then pulls out her, what she thinks apparently is her taser, yells, taser, 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 which is what they're supposed to yell before they fire their taser, and then shoots him in the side, sort of in the ribs or the gut area, and he, like, slouches down, and the car drives away, and that's the end of the video. And he right. would die uh, from those wounds just a couple of blocks later, apparently. Like, he crashes somewhere, and he dies. Right. Now, he didn't die, I don't think, from the accident. He died because he was right, right, shot right. in the belly. When he, he lost control, and then, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I have two pairs of scissors that I work with on dry hair. Mm-hmm. One of them can cut a whole lot of hair at once. The other one cuts about a 20th of the amount of hair. And literally, every time I go to use the one that cuts less hair, I look at them in my hand to make sure that that's what I'm using, and I'm just cutting hair. Right. Yeah. It's not hard. You look. It takes a second. I have made that mistake once. I'm not saying that the stakes in your job aren't very, very high, and they're not fraught with a great deal of emotion from time to time. No, I'm telling you, they're not. Right, right. But what I'm saying is that in in the heat of a panicked moment, you probably wouldn't be as apt. Like if you had to cut somebody's hair to put the fire out on it, you might be less concerned. I would let their hair run away. Right. Sure. I'm just saying the analogy is not perfect because of the situation that this person found herself in. This this, this keeps happening uh, where – and I'm, this is similar to I think when we talked about the incident that happened in Atlanta. It was after George Floyd were at a Wendy's or something and the guy was going to be arrested for DUI and he slipped out and he was shot as he was fleeing. And it's like you have all the information you need from this person. You've already ran their – information so you can circle back and arrest them that one in particular he was going to run away on foot right right and and he was drunk and he was drunk and it was pretty pretty clear that the only person that he was a danger to in that moment was himself and i don't want to spend any more time defending the actions and behavior of the cops in this scenario than is minimally necessary But it's not hard for me to build in my head a case for why they needed to further detain him, which is that the information that they have is that there's a warrant out for his arrest and there's a young female in the car with him and he's attempting to wrestle himself away from two or three police officers at that time to get himself back into that car. You don't know what he has in the car. You don't know where he plans to go with the car if that's the plan or if he's going to grab a weapon. You don't know what he might do to the other passenger if that might be his motivation. You don't know anything at that point, right? We are already in the domain of the fucked Right. So so we've reached this moment where it's just pure and total chaos and there cannot be a good outcome almost no matter what happens. Well, I, OK. So my reading of this is and it seems like some police officers are conflating noncompliance with life is in some peril, like not even necessarily their life, but just there is a volatile, violent situation. And that's not what's happening. The person is fleeing 
right? And by the way, this person, uh, the, the, the victim, is not a physically imposing person. The, the, one of the cops who was startled to find that his fellow cop shot him was wrestling with him. I'm sure he could have just dragged him out. Any number of things that have happened, even let's say he, the person somehow managed to slink his way out of it. You have his information. He's not like going to turn the car around and ram them. or He's just going to flee. I agree, except that it's hard because the one time that some guy is allowed to flee and then he kills the girlfriend who's in the passenger seat because that was like... There was, but was there any indication that the girl's life was in danger? So, but, but why is he so? And I know that we cannot apply rationality here. But why is right. he trying to flee? Right? And, right. and who knows the the total the totality of circumstances that led to that being what must amount to a biochemical reaction? Right? That the, that the only rational, if you're looking for a so-called rational explanation for his behavior. There isn't one, but but right. there you it can be explained in terms of uh, brain chemistry, which is that it, something in his stupid fucking brain told him to wrestle himself away from that cop and get in the car. And none of it make none of it is good. Who knows what the totality of circumstances are that led to that moment? I suspect that his realization that he was going to be in jail for a indefinite period of time was intolerable to him, and he's just like a you know fleeing with these kind of just to kind of avoid the appearance of victim blaming whatever i would do the alternate reality so like if this was an alternate reality where the person doesn't die then i can clearly just focus on what the fuck are you doing when especially at that later stage because if you if you if fleeing was on the table you were aware that you had a uh warrant you know flee at that point you but know that's why that's why it's point. just biochemical that's why it's just right. A stupid switch got flipped in his brain in a moment of pure panic. And right. do you know what the – because I agree. He shouldn't – obviously, he should not have been shot. That's not what right. I'm suggesting at all. Right. But I also understand why the cops felt that they had to – why she felt in that moment that if she had a non-lethal opportunity to stop him from doing whatever he was doing in furtherance of defending the other people who are in that situation with you, uh, what is becoming suddenly a violent confrontation – I can see why it happened. And I'm not saying that I that it's good or that it should have happened, but I can see why it happened. But the bottom line has nothing to do with, oh, he should have complied and he would still be alive if he should have complied. You have to take this step, one major step back, which is that he never should have been pulled over and put into a confrontation with people who are allowed to deploy lethal force right. simply because he had an expired registration, if that's what right. it turns out, right? But so also, it's not again, an acceptable thing in a so-called free society that you can be walking around or driving around living your life and that because somebody notices that your registration expired a month ago, that you can then now go into a potentially lethal encounter with the force of the state. That's not right. acceptable. Right. And also, yeah, again, they are escalating just this routine traffic stop into something that's violent. And also, as a law enforcement person, their whole job is dealing with noncompliance, right? I mean, if there was compliance all around— you wouldn't even have a job, right? Everybody's just going about their day. They're not speeding. They're not having arrest, bench warrant, whatever. You wouldn't have a, you know, we wouldn't have a need as a society to have cops. So you should be open to the idea that people are not always going to comply with everything that you want them to comply with. And then you should have a response to it. Like in that case, she wasn't even the primary person interacting 
with the person, you know, like the, the guy was getting, they told them in the, in the video clip, oh, there was a, a, a warrant. And at that point, I think his mind started like, oh, fuck, I'm going to be in jail for some time. My life's going to be ruined. Let me get the hell out of here. And the, the lady came in and then she, without looking, pulled out a gun. People online have been saying that, you know, a taser weighs a lot less than a gun. I mean, I don't know. In the, in the heat of the moment, I guess you can kind of mistake one for the other because they look awfully. The moment you use your eyes and you look at it right, for a, you should, and a that's millisecond. What, yeah. Right. So in that situation, you should especially when it deal it comes with like brain, life or death. The brain is an incredibly powerful thing. And her brain told her that she reached to her holster and pulled out her taser. Taser. It doesn't matter if you like her senses at that point are firing completely in bonkers way ways. And it's a, and in the narrative in her head, in those fucking seven seconds or something that elapsed from the time that she reaches to her pocket and the time that she fires the weapon, I fully understand how she didn't notice what the thing was that she had done until it was she too late. She had the presence of mind to, I assume, the, she has training, no uh, presence of mind. That's what I'm saying. To, she has no, actually but, no presence of mind in the exact same way that he had absolutely no presence of mind, where he thinks he's somehow uh, preserving something about his life by trying to wrestle himself away from the cops when he's doing the opposite. Right, but he, he in an irrational way, he was trying to flee from a bad outcome for him. In her situation. She has the presence of mind to say taser, taser. That apparently that's probably part of their training, right? So you have to call out something. So she follows that script, like she's following procedure on that, but not to look down to say, "Oh, I usually have my gun on my left side," or you know, like she doesn't have. She doesn't seem to be concerned with determining because it's it's a big difference between a non-lethal whatever uh taser and a gun at this point she's basically exposed to negligent homicide some mass slaughter right. or it's whatever ob- right it's obvious to me that if this was anyone else the person would have already been arrested if this was not right. a cop and you said i accidentally i reached for my gun or i reached for my taser and i accidentally grabbed my gun and shot this guy and now he's dead you would be arrested and charged within 24 hours of negligent homicide you're 100 percent right. correct right so so then did that play a role? Like, I'm a cop. At the end of the day, I'm going to be in a better position. So I'm going to be a little more cavalier in confirming whether or not I'm, what, I'm, what I'm grabbing is a lethal weapon versus a non-lethal weapon. Do you think that that played a role? Because if I it think was that, a citizen, so for me, you would— For me, that's a half step too far in terms of trying to determine her state of mind that I would be comfortable with. I think because the, the consequences are so. I mean, that's a life. I mean, obviously, life-altering for the person you're shooting, but that's a life-altering right, choice. But I don't think and this, on your this, end. I'm saying this without, with the caveat that I hope everyone understands. I'm not defending the action. Right, right, right. But we're in an alternate reality. Yeah. I understand that she believes she's now in a. Le- so, so there are cops who will say that it, even though she thought she was grabbing her taser, she should have grabbed her gun instead. Why? No because one's life they was in danger. Not, because this is how they're trained. They, I'm, I'm not saying this is correct, right. but I'm right. saying that they believe they've entered into lethal combat at that point, that their failure to bring him under control will result in their minds in the death or the potential, uh, the potential death 
of the cops that are there, of any bystanders that are nearby, and of the girl in the passenger seat, right? That, that is the thing that they have in their heads in that moment. I'm not saying that that's ideal. I'm not saying that's necessarily right. the best way to train these people. But they believe that if they're not being complied with, then it is now a potentially lethal situation for them, which, it al- which allows them to justify it becoming a lethal situation for the victim in this case. Right, but the, 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 the re- and the reason why I, my I, suggestion that I threw out last year was it should be policy that unless there is an immediate threat to life, right? No hypotheticals, well, he could have taken his girlfriend and went to quick trip and killed her, you know. Is there any immediate threat to life in this moment? If there's not, you need to retreat, circle back, and then arrest at a different point because – in my scenario, like, okay, maybe there would be a few steps, and in one situation, somebody may eventually, like, off themselves or whatever instead of being arrested. You can live with that, right? Because that's a choice so that I, they're I making. Agree, but I, reg- I agree with you logically and philosophically, but what I'm, what I, my suggestion is that given the effectiveness, the effectiveness of things like the Willie Horton ad, and given the effectiveness of things like anytime there's an illegal who commits a murder, it becomes right. – the most important murder that's ever happened in the history of the world on Fox right. News. If somebody, some, some kid in Kansas gets run over by a, a DUI by an illegal Mexican immigrant on his way home from Chili's or something, then right. that becomes a story that leads Fox News for six fucking weeks during all hours right. of prime time because it's, right. it's this weird other category of death, one of these things right. where this – wouldn't have happened but for the inadequacy or the failure of our system. This wouldn't have happened. Right. Willie Horton would not have committed this subsequent rape or murder or whatever it was that he did if he had not been let out of prison on work release or whatever too early right. by Dukakis, right? It becomes right. this this easily politicized other type of crime. And, right. and I don't think that society – or at least our American society puts up with that sort of thing in a way that you seem to be suggesting that we would. Right, and and I think you are right in that in those examples where basically it's like the threat was contained. Either you had uh, they were outside of the country, and then lax policies let them in, and they committed a crime, or they've already been in jail or in prison, and you let them off on furlough on some sort of lenient policy, and then they go on to murder and rape somebody. In this case, it's basically. Some drunk guy running off, tire himself out, you catch him. Uh, some kid who overreacts, runs away, you circle back and you arrest him. And, you know, by the way, like, I don't know what the penalty is for hit and run, but based on the way they make it sound on local news, it's like a serious thing. If you are caught getting into an accident and fleeing and then they catch you after the fact, it should be similar to that. If you, like, wiggle your way out of a impending arrest and they circle back to arresting you, that's like an additional charge similar to I mean, hit and run. It's got to be is already a thing. Right. And right, that's but the thing is now you're that's it's already a thing and they start charging you with it the moment you you fail to comply, right? You you're now obstructing justice in some way, right? Like it becomes right. but, I mean, this, that's, but, it becomes the self-reinforcing already, thing where the cop is like, "Oh, well, now you weren't doing anything too bad before, but now you're obstructing justice and trying to evade arrest, and that has upped the lethality of the situation in a in a way that I didn't see coming." Um, right. I mean, that's already I I, and I, again, I'm not trying to argue that uh, aside just for the sake of arguing it. But I do think that 
there's only so much of this guy decided just to run away from the cops and then a week later he raped and murdered his family or or whatever the crime would end up being. There's only so much of that that we can tolerate before it becomes something that a politician or a want-to-be politician starts hammering home over no, and I over mean, and over again. And right. And I don't think that we're a society – that is mature or equipped to handle that in terms of a trade-off. Like I just, I, it, it you, only takes right. one I'm, or two examples of somebody just deciding that they're not going to be arrested today, going and later committing some awful crime, and then it becomes, oh, but for the failure of the police to do their job, uh, this guy would have been in jail and his precious children wouldn't be dead or whatever. Right. Perhaps perhaps you're right. I just think the current court the present court we're on is also intolerable. Like you can't this is not sustainable to where people are just like oh right, which is, the slightest but, but that's, thing. That's why I think you have to take it a step further back. Instead of instead of trying to fix the interaction that these people are having with the state, just stop having the interactions with the state. And this will play almost directly into this other case that we're going to talk about the thing in outside of norfolk virginia but we just need to severely limit the amount of times that armed agents of the state who are permitted to deploy lethal force on behalf of state power interact with normal everyday citizens who aren't actively doing something wrong right right but the, the 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 problem with that and you are right is that these kind of ticky tacky you didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. Uh, you have to pay a court fee and this fee and that fee. It's kind of like a backdoor tax. So people are like so intolerant of raising taxes and just everything being, you know, right in front of you that they're generating revenues in these like seedier ways where they're just parked somewhere and they're arresting people for the slightest thing. I mean, in this example of Virginia, like it was like some sort of tag thing and the person had a tag. It was kind of hard to see in the video, but apparently. They they were not even non-compliant with the law. It's just they weren't able to see it, or I don't know what that cop did. There but should like, be. There's, I mean, and this is just so easy. There should never be a situation where if you didn't renew your car's registration and you're driving around with an expired tag, that you should be pulled over by someone who is armed and permitted to deploy lethal force. It should just but, th- that should never happen. If you right. are driving 65 miles per hour in a 55 mile per hour zone. I don't know that it is to the public's benefit to turn that into an interaction with an agent of the state who's permitted to deploy lethal force. So maybe maybe you have to have traffic cops who are out there unarmed in an important way. They're, they're not lethally armed. And then that changes the calculus of whether or not you want to pull somebody over for doing something very minor, right? Especially right. in a country that's armed to the teeth, allegedly, that there's people right. just walking around or, or driving around with guns constantly. Maybe if you're a, a cop with just a bottle of mace, a taser, and a nightstick, you're going to be less likely to want to pull over the pickup truck truck that's driving 75 in the in the 65 mile per hour zone right but i I suspect that you run into the same issues that you would with my theory because like if you limit the interactions and it was a typical interaction that was let go and the person killed somebody they say oh bob's uh lax policy you know back in the old days they would harass that person and uh, now they couldn't and then they killed somebody and so like i think the worrying about like the how it will play on Fox News, like it's kind of like it'll play how it'll play. It's just try to find the best policy 
right? To except prevent that, this sort of except thing from that happening. it is a much greater harm anytime one of these clips goes viral. Anytime one of these things happen, and there's a clip that goes all all around the internet, that is the harm that is done to the society at large. It tear it. it I mean, not to. To make a metaphor literal, but it literally tears at the fabric of society every time one of these cops kills somebody else on video. Like that's what right. it does, and right. and uh, and it it and in a much worse way than just your average everyday murder does. Right? Like, right. <laughs> that's just true. Like right. and, because I mean and, they're doing it in the service of the general public, right? In theory, like on it's not like just some people killing each other. It's like they are public servants and they're going out there just willy-nilly killing people and most of the time and this is again the virginia one which we haven't really gotten into is all of these interactions are basically how dare you not comply with what i'm telling you to do like it seems to all stem from you're not doing what i want exactly in the manner that i want it and so i'm just gonna flip out and mace you or shoot you or like you need to just look at the big picture and just disengage if it looks like it's there's no threat to anybody right now but the person being non-compliant it's just not worth these incidents i mean this just looks bad on all these different communities whether it's virginia or georgia or minnesota right i want to play this video it's a difficult video for me anyway i don't know this guy didn't this, die this guy didn't this die not films, uh, don't bother you but this uh, little uh, mace i just i, I I despise everything about the interaction that happens here. Um, um, Southeastern Virginia is the worst part of Virginia, by the way. Yeah. Like Virginia Beach, Norfolk area. It's awful. All right. So this is like four minutes. I don't know if I'll play the whole, the and audio also, this of the is, whole thing. This is uh, four months ago. I mean, the Minnesota thing happened very quickly. The turnaround, they, they responded to public oh, outcry. Oh, suing him now. Right. The, the, the lawsuit brought forth this video. They didn't release it willingly. Right, so here's the here's the video. Put your hands out the window. Felony traffic stop, eighteen thirty-six. Put your hands out the window. How many occupants? How many occupants are in the vehicle? What's going on? How many occupants are in your vehicle? It's only myself. Why are your weapons drawn? What's going on? Open the door slowly and step out. Open the door. I'm not getting out the vehicle. What's going on? Get out the car! Open the door slowly and get out! What's going on? Get out of the car! Now! Open the door and get out the car! Hold, 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 hold. Keep your hands outside the window! Keep your hands outside the window! My hands are right here. What's going on? Get out of the car now! Get out of the car! What's now. going on? Get out of the car now! Get out of the car now! I'm serving this country and this is how I'm treated? Yo, what? guess what? I'm a veteran too. I don't know, babe. That's Get what... out of the car! What's going on? Get out of the car now! What's going on? What's going on? You're fixing to ride the lightning, son. I'm sorry, what? Get out of the car now! What's going Get on? Get out of the car now! Get out of the car! Sir, just get out of the car! Work with us and we'll talk to you! Get out the car! You received an order! Obey it! I'm... I'm af- I'm honestly afraid to get out. Can I... Yeah, you should be! Going? Get out! What's get going out. on? What get did out I the do? Car. Get out now! I have not committed any crimes. You're being stopped by a traffic violation. You're not cooperating at this point right now. 
You're under arrest for, a traffic, for you're being detained, okay? You're being detained for, for a traffic justice. violation. I do not have to get out the vehicle. You haven't even told really? me why I'm being stopped. Really? Get your hands off. Get, get out of the car now. Get out of the car. Get your hands off me, get please. Get your hands off me. You know what? Get your hands off me. Get your hands off me. Back up, I didn't do anything. Don't do that. Sir, get out of the car Don't now. Do that. Hey, sir, Don't get out of the car that. now. Don't do, Look, I'm trying to talk to you. Okay. I'm trying to I'm talk, talk to you. Get out. Just relax. get out of my car. Can you please get relax? Can get you out. please relax? Get out of the car right I'm, now. Man. This is not how you treat a vet. Uh, I'm actively serving this country, and this is how you're going to treat me? Back up, I didn't do anything. Whoa, hold on. Back What's up. going on? Hold on. Watch. Watch it. Get out of the car. <laughs> Get out of the car now! The, the f up! The f up! The car now! Sir, just get out the car! I'm trying to breathe. Get out of the car now! That's up! That's really up! Yeah, oh, get out of the car and get on the ground now! You're gonna get it again! I, I don't even want to reach my seatbelt. Can you? Take your seatbelt off and get out of the car! Can you please? Get out of the car now! Listen! Take off your seatbelt and get out of the car. Look, I'm just gonna just please. You're gonna do what you're told. Get out of the car. My, look. Take I'm your seatbelt off and get out of the. Look. Take your seatbelt off. Look, my hands are out. Take your seatbelt off and get out of the car. My hands are out. Don't reach in there, Daniel. Don't reach in there. My hands are out. Please. Please. Look. This is really messed up. My dog is in the back. My dog is choking right get now. Get out of the car. Take your seatbelt off. What are you, a specialist, Corporal? What are you? I'm a lieutenant. Lieutenant, get out of the car. Take your seatbelt off and get out of the car. You made this way more difficult than it had to be. You just complied. Get out of the car. I'm reaching for my seatbelt. Fine. Take your seatbelt off and get out of the car. Straight on the ground. Straight onto the ground. Ma'am. Is your commanding officer available? Ma'am, let's go. Is your commanding let's officer go. available? Get on the ground. Get on the Can ground. Please talk to Get me on the ground now. On. Get on the ground and you're getting sprayed again. Get on the ground. Can you please talk to me about what's Get going on? Get on the ground. On. Get on the ground now. Can you please talk to me Get about what's going on? Get on the ground. Get on the ground. Can you please talk to me about what's yes, going sir. on? Yes, sir. Can you please talk to me about what's going on? Why am I being treated like this? Why? Because you're not cooperating. Get on the ground. Why am I being treated like this? This is really messed up. By the way, the not not to stereotype, but that I can already tell this cop's whole life. He seems like the exact type to be this type of asshole. Just respect my authority, come to life. Cause the whole time, like it looked like the other cop was at least trying to like diffuse a situation like yo just come out of the car we'll talk it out and it's like no get out of the way i have to like ride the lightning and like i think i don't know if it was in this clip but he mentioned something about you know the guy being afraid to come out and he said you should be and then later on when they talked it through he was basically saying if you don't pursue this we can let this go that's right? what so their lawyers like, are saying i haven't seen right, or heard I, any any video I'll, about that i'll have to share the link but it was on the the news program this morning. Okay. It caught some of that. It wasn't the full thing, but he mentioned something like, "Hey, you know, you look the other way. We, you know, we can, you know, no problems, no charges. 
something you to can that tell effect. when he drops when he drops that first sir at the end of the video that he's like coming to the realization that he's fucked up and it right. it took him a long time to get there but he's realizing that he probably let things get out of control and i think that the the primary difference between the two cops in that situation is that one of them had absolutely no understanding of the experience of the person who was sitting in the car and what that person was going through in the moment. And right. the other one had some idea of what it was like for that guy sitting in the car. I don't know if it's a youth thing because that one cop is much younger than the other one. They're both right. white, so it's not that. But what is obvious to me about listening to those people talk just in those that four minutes is that the older guy, the aggressive, much worse cop, has no appreciation whatsoever for what could be going on in the mind of the person sitting in the front seat. But it is just as obvious to me that the other cop at least has some idea. Right. And, and that's probably true. But I think also the guy who was being way too aggressive for that moment, and I don't know if these uh, cameras capture their heart rate, but I'm sure the people, if you're like, your adrenaline is going all over the place by like... The, this is not the right job for you. Like you can't function and and give out commands if you're just freaking out like that at the slightest interaction. But I think more than just a generational difference or like a lack of empathy is that he's blinded by the fact that this person's not doing what he wants him to do. Right. And he's just so upset at that. Like that he doesn't even want to like meet him halfway and say, okay, I see why you're concerned, but you still need to follow my command. Like some sort of reassuring words. He just, he kept on going the other way. It's like, you should be afraid and you're going to write the lightning or like all of these things that if you are already apprehensive, you're going to be even more so after those interactions. And like, oh, this like, guy's definitely trying to find a justification to kill me. Like, right. As and soon that's as I reach the thing. My, you know, we were talking about stupid lizard brain shit earlier where the brain just does things and you're not even sure why. If the cop who's in that super hyper aggressive mode then sees him reach to undo the seatbelt as he's right. ordering him to do, what right. does uh, the hands disappear from view for right. a moment as right. he reaches down, maybe too quickly for the right. cop's or liking too slow. or whatever right. it is, too slow, too quickly? Who the fuck knows? Then out, he's already holding his fucking gun. Who knows what happens, right? right. Because that. He's already escalated it to this completely insane point where you've right. turned off most of your rational brain and it you're, it won't catch up. The moment that you now perceive a new threat, what does your finger do in that one thousandth of a second before you can even decide? And I think that that is what is going through the mind of the guy who's sitting in that uh, the, the driver's seat of that car with his window down and his hands hanging out of the window the entire time so that he's demonstrating the fact that he's not a threat to anyone, right? And that right. he knows that if he moves his hands inside the car, that can be easily misunderstood as a threat and that that will, right. es that will potentially and logically even, you could argue, es escalate the situation further. Oh, th yeah, definitely. And basically it looks like he's just looking for some pretext to kill the person. I don't – I mean – when they ran the plates or whatever, they didn't run the plates, but like just the whole interaction to me was like very charged. Like what what caused both of them to have their guns drawn? I mean, I've I've been pulled over many times. Many people have been pulled over many times, and it's never like the that. answer. I mean, I the answer from a non-reductive point of view 
is that because he drove further than they were happy further with, than they wanted him to. Right. He's escalated it to a different. So this is now a potentially evading type of crime. He's is I forget what the classification is, but one of them is just a traffic stop pullover, and the next one it becomes a like a felony interaction or something like that. I forget that the, okay. the the wording that the lawyers were using to justify it. Because he has driven further than the cops deemed necessary, as soon as the blue lights came on, they decided that it had been okay. that the, the actions of the driver had escalated into the next level of a of a situation, which is right. bullshit, right? Because he pulled up to a well lit gas station, right? He didn't right. drive for five miles and then pull off to a dusty side road where there were no lights. He did the thing that I always thought you were supposed to do: that if you're traveling on a busy road that doesn't necessarily have a safe shoulder for you to pull off onto, you wait until you find a safe area to pull off onto. And in this case, it was an incredibly well lit gas station. You can see the—I mean, it's the that fluorescent lighting is day glow lighting. The entire time on this video did we have any idea where that was 40 miles outside of norfolk is where it was i can tell you the town in just a second it's like some podunk town maybe you know i mean maybe there was initial suspicion but you would think by the time virginia sorry okay by the time he got to the well-lit location it should clear up the intent of the driver or i don't know maybe we need to have some sort of like in these podunk towns, some universal sign where, like, the person sticks out, like, a four fingers to say, I'm looking for, like, my intention is to seek... Right, you put you put your hazards on area. or something. Yeah. I have right. uh, some- exciting news. Oh. One of the officers has been fired since an hour ago. Yeah, I saw that right before we started. I can't imagine oh, there that there's go. any doubt which of the two... It was the guy who fired. maced him, yeah. Right. The Hispanic-sounding name guy? Yeah. But that that's just a good old boy. That's my not maiden a... name is Garcia, Abe. Yeah. Oh. yeah, he's he's as much a Gutierrez as Lori is a Garcia in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> I mean, it's awful, and I, I I I hate watching every moment of it. And you can go to the website and watch it yourself if you like. I'll post the video there if the audio wasn't enough for you. It's an interaction that never should have happened, both right. in in the moment and also from my enlightened perspective in terms of uh, whether or not this should be an interaction that the public has with the armed agent of the state. But he had the temporary tags displayed on the car. They just didn't see them or something. So he'd recently bought the car. He hadn't yet received the official plates from the Virginia Department of Motor Vehicles. And he was pulled over on a mistake, right? And it escalates into this thing, which is just awful. And right. It's not as bad as it could have been, obviously, because we know how bad it could be. Uh, but he's gonna—he's sh- suing the shit out of the the two officers and hopefully the department. And I hope he gets a giant fucking payday, and you know, and they and bankrupts the fucking force and they have to rebuild it from the ground up because it's it's just completely unacceptable. On on that point, uh, in the news this morning, they go through this whole thing and they they talk about how he's suing, and this kind of reminded me of the Austin Powers thing. But he's suing for one million dollars. It's like, buddy, any that up a little higher. I mean, you can settle down for a million, but you don't start at a million. Just say you know ten million or eleven, perhaps, and then work your way down. But this is, especially how long it's taken for them. I mean, the investigation internally doesn't take four months, right? They, they're just firing him this week when it's released. But they had all this information for four months. Right. And they did not take any action. So it looks a lot worse than, I mean, what the the Minnesota example is a lot worse because someone died and it was poor 
uh, reaction by the cop, and they should be fired and arrested. Uh, but at least the police office, that department, they released it within a proper time frame. Like, this is the information we have. We believe it was accidental. They're on administrative leave. That's not enough, but at least it's in the right direction. Whereas this, the only reason why we know about this is because of the lawsuit. Right. And it's it's a huge and, – and credit to the shitty police department in Minnesota for releasing that video because it's a, it's a huge thing in terms of even if the action is egregious and completely unacceptable, it is so much better to have it out there and yes, for, it to yes. be, for it to be known because if I – and yeah, there's going to be unrest. There will be right. – protests there will possibly even be some fires that get lit somewhere and all of that is what it is it, it's it's not good if you look at right. the uh, street view of this gas station there's no good place to pull over on this road that isn't like a gas station or a right. kroger like you have to pull into somewhere on right. this stupid road in the worst part of virginia i hate this part of virginia right and it's it's obvious because you don't want to stop on a busy road that yeah, there's not room. Yeah, and it's like you room. can't tell it's if not it's safe a residential street or if it's right. the gas station. Like there's a bunch of ugly warehouses. Like the gas station was the correct choice. Right. But it shouldn't have been an interaction in the first place. He wasn't doing anything wrong. And even if he's driving without a prominently displayed license plate, I don't know that that isn't the consequence of that is an interaction with an armed agent of the state who's permitted to deploy lethal force as necessary. I, right. I just don't I don't think that that is something that should happen. Do we have anything else to say about bad cops doing bad things? Not 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 right now. No. It reminds me of a girl I worked with who was a bitch and then she was like, "Why are all my clients such bitches?" It's like, "Well, cuz you're horrible to them." So <laughs> maybe if you weren't so awful, they wouldn't be mean to you. To learn behavior. All right. Let's do real quick on the UVA student who was kicked out for various microaggression sins. I want to play a small clip. I will set this up simply by saying there was a talk given at the University of Virginia a few years ago in which a professor of some sort or another, if I sound dismissive, it's because I am, because she's <laughs> some sort of sociologist. In October of 2018, this guy, Kiran Bhattacharya, forgive the pronunciation there, is a student at UVA School of Medicine. In October of 2018, he attended a panel discussion on the subject of microaggressions. He was not convinced by the presentation in its entirety and wanted to ask a question. So his was the first question that was asked following the uh, 25 minute or so lecture and i'll just start with that uh hello thank you for your uh, presentation um i had a few questions just to clarify um your definition of microaggressions is it a requirement to be a victim of microaggression that you are a member of a marginalized group very good question and no and no but in, in the definition it just said you had to be a member of the marginalized group the definition you just provided in the last slide, so that's contradictory. Um, what I have there is kind of the generalized um, definition. In fact, I extended beyond that. Um, I, as you see, I um, extended to any marginalized group, and sometimes it's not a marginalized group. Um, there are examples that you would think maybe not fit, such as body size, um, height, weight, and 
if that is how you'd like to see me expand it, yes, indeed, that's how I do. Yeah, a uh, follow-up question. Uh, exactly how do you define marginalized and who is a marginalized group? Where does that go? I mean, it seems extremely nonspecific. And um, that's intentional. That's intentional to make it more nonspecific because, again, if we can be just kind of limited to say, well, it's only this and it's only that, and everything else that you say or do um, does not fit that category, then, in fact, we make that too limiting and um, make it such that only those bad people think about things that way, but the rest of us who are good and um, caring couldn't possibly say or do those kinds of things. Yeah, and a third component about your definition of microaggression and how you said, oh, hi, it's distinguished from rude statements, you clarified that is because the person who is receiving the microaggressions somehow knows the intention of the person who made it, somehow knows whether or not that person is educated, whether that person is actually intentionally harming them, or whether or not they are unintentionally harming them. One. Two, the distinguishing factor that we also should make between what a rude statement is and what, you're, what you are now defining as a microaggression is that a microaggression is entirely highly dependent on how the person who's receiving it is reacting. It could be dependent on their previous relationship. It's not exactly what the person is saying. So the evidence that you provided, and you said you studied this for years, which is one anecdotal case. I mean, do you have, have you studied anything else about microaggressions that you know in the last few years? Okay, let's, let's take it back a little bit. Um, that's why I wanted to give you the definition of, of my example of the Dutch. I had not intended to say anything that than to make a comment with a friend. I was not going to say anything that I thought was negative. But in fact, I had offended. I didn't know I had offended. I wouldn't have known I had offended until that person let me know that that was hurtful. Now, once someone tells you that they um, have been hurt or harmed by an expression, I think it's on us to figure out how not to be hurt or harmful to people in the future. Yeah, but isn't it really out of my control what hurts somebody? I can't control what offends. I can punch the air, and if that makes somebody mad, that's not really my problem or my fault. If I punch someone in the face and it directly hurts them, I have incited that of them, that's completely different. So, again, what is the basis for what you're going to tell someone that they've committed a microaggression? You hear a story from someone, but how do you know that their interpretation is not subject to bias, that they don't have a previous, they don't prejudice towards the person that they're saying made it? I mean, where are you getting this basis from? How are you studying this and collecting evidence on this and making presentations on it? Okay, I'll um, take that, and then I think we should make sure to open up the floor to lots of people for questions. Of course, but, yeah. Just have, just so I um, am from West Virginia, and um, my all right, I'll stop it there because that's the last side. that's the last thing that he says. I will eventually end up siding with him, but he uh, made some uh, poor arguments there. He is an asshole. <laughs> like uh, the. Because when I first uh, read this story, I thought it was going one way. And again, he's right in in, in the hole. But the example that that she gave was basically like, hey, this example of someone is telling you that this particular incident – was her? I think it was Dutch. You know, like let's go, let's let's split the tab or something, or I don't know, uh, some example to that effect. Right. And they said this was uh, my Dutch ancestors. That's a great offense. Blah blah blah. I'm gonna go cry about it. Can you please not do that? And the person's like, okay, yeah, no problem. And then you move on, right? It's a very simple. By the way, not cool. And then you move on. But he keeps on circling back to the, how will we ever know? It's like you know, people are communicating what they want and what they don't like. You don't have to adhere no, to it. because he thinks it doesn't matter how people feel. <laughs> if, it's, if what he says and what he likes hurts hurtful to someone else, how is that his problem? 
It's right, not that I, it's not his problem. Lori is taking this extraordinarily personally. Well, that guy's an asshole. So you hear an asshole, and I hear someone who has a philosophical disagreement with the thing that's being said and is doing a courageous thing, which is standing up in a room full of people who he knows, knows to his bones, completely disagree with him, right? There's, he's, there might, if there's 100 people in the room, he might be one of three who, show, who would show up to a talk like this, who wouldn't just ingest it all and swallow it down and nod along happily with what's being said. So you hear an asshole, and I hear someone who's like extraordinarily anxious and nervous and trying to... Oh, he, yeah, he was definitely that, yeah. Right. He's, he's terrified as he's standing there. And I'm not saying he, he might... For all I know, he is an asshole. I'm not saying he's not an <laughs> asshole. But I don't think that... What he's saying is that anything that I say, if it happens to hurt somebody else, that, it, that that's their problem and it's not my fucking problem. What he's saying is that it's important to know what the mindset is of the person who did the supposed harm if you're going to hold that person accountable in a meaningful way. So if this is going to cost someone their job or it's going to cost someone uh, in some other legal sense – then the crime has to be something that is actually prosecutable and not just reliant upon the hurt feelings of someone else, right? That's right. what they're talking because they're not talking about this just in terms of personal uh, interactions or a marriage counseling situation. They're talking right. about it in terms of actual consequences. Right. But, and but th- th- ironically, the whole thing gets proven out by the fact oh, that, yeah. that this <laughs> results in him getting kicked out of fucking medical school yeah, and was- not being allowed back in because he wouldn't play their stupid fucking game. He wouldn't right. go to counseling and, and pass a test to prove that he's not. Not some sort of fucking monster who's allowed to be around other people again. Right. The the reaction by the school proved him correct, and that's why I think in the end I do side with him. But going back to his line of argument, first of all, I mean, he tried to. I mean, maybe because he was nervous, so I'll I'll, I'll allow him some uh, some you know uh, some of that. Uh, but the main question is basically. If because it's so hard to know, like I don't want to turn this into a Donald Rumsfeld thing, like known knowns and unknown knowns and all that stuff. But basically, if you unknowingly cause offense, right, shouldn't there always, always be an opportunity for communication? Hey, that's not how I meant it, um, but I understand your point of view and I will take that into consideration going forward and then you can kind of move past it, right? Because I suspect that a lot of the, the, the problem people have with this kind of microaggression stuff is that basically it's like you're blindly doing a high wire act where anything could cause offense to anybody and then off you go. You know, you're, you're shunned from society and that's it. So like if he could frame the issue in like – is it is there any scenario where you can think where somebody could just unknowingly stumble into a situation where it's okay for them to be treated that way? Right. And because by the, the way, example that she I, gave I, was I agree with you, but it's incumbent on the person who is claiming the victimhood status of having right. had their feelings hurt to 
and and this is this gets me problematized by suggesting this but it's incumbent upon the victim in that moment to speak up for themselves and let the other person know that intentionally or unintentionally they have transgressed in an important way according to that person because right. what's not acceptable is to just go home and fucking tweet about it on online say you're a relatively important person in the in some circles you have 10,000 followers and you tweet about it online it it creates this impression that there's just a bunch of fucking monsters out there in the world walking around hurting people on purpose and who will never pay any any cost for it right right and and occasionally that person gets named and then right. dragged or otherwise so-called canceled because of this harm that they didn't even know they had done in the moment because the person didn't speak up about it right right it's incumbent upon the victims in this case i hate to say it to actually talk about the thing that happened when it happened and try to bring the person in in some sort of empathetic way it's not right. always easy people are fucking assholes you're 100 percent right. right about that and they might not be at all receptive to that right and and don't assume the worst in somebody and like again i haven't listened to the entire discussion but if they're bringing an example up of the dutch thing where it's like a commonly used term but it causes offense or like let's say i'm like oh they put me in the paddy wagon or whatever oh some irish person is going to take offense right i didn't know that i have people to say that right so if that sort of thing happens where it's not like the obvious ones like calling somebody the c word or the n word or the this word or the that word right but if it's just one of these like goofy like you know people are a little more sensitive to things than others and you're interacting with this person a coworker, a colleague or whatever is there a constructive way to kind of process through that, right? Because the current standard of deal with it on – I'm not saying that that's what he's going with, although it's not in that way. On one side and to the other where I'm going to name and shame you and then if I have enough clout, I will try to socially shun you from proper society. Like those two options are not uh, constructive, right? So – in this little panel that he went to, why can't they talk through like what happens when someone unintentionally does something? How do you go about doing that? Because right. it seems and like I they would have had a help, more fruitful conversation that way than this nonsense. I can't help but emphasize again, he like the, the whole thing ends up proving the farcical nature of the entire yeah. conversation yeah. in yeah. the first place, which is that he's basically accused of having done the thing that he's questioning whether or not actually exists or he's questioning the, the academic underpinning of whether or not it actually exists. Right. And right. so then they use it as a cudgel to kick him out of his fucking school and not let him back in unless he agrees to like a series of increasingly absurd conditions, including right. getting clearance from a therapist that he's not a threat to the safety of other students on campus. And just to be fair to the presenter, like it was some administrator, some busybody that escalated this issue. There was some sort of note of concern and there was a quote a term that it just sounds like a parody of like whatever the right things of like academic types. They said there there are unintended consequences of conversations. Like what? <laughs> like this kind of, I mean, you can talk again, this is not impossible to kind of talk through. Like they could, if they had, if somebody had an issue with him, Hey, you're being a little forceful. You're kind of chewing up all the Q and a time with your bullshit stringing along questions. Right. That's fine. But the way they presented it is like, oh, you may have some sort of mental defect. Dance for us or you are out of school, you know. Right. It's and, it you don't want to hyperbolize it, but it's like a perfect oh, example. It's, oh yeah. <laughs> the, of, the reaction after this panel, it is 
mind-numbingly stupid. I can't believe anyone thought that this was a good way to go about it. You're just basically proving the point. There is no opportunity for dissent. Like any sort of slight deviation from this is the information, take it or leave it. How, I mean, if he, if he said it slightly nicer, I still don't think it would have been – he wasn't rude, but basically he was kind of hurried. Uh, so maybe some people took it the wrong because way. Because he was but, nervous. Right. But let's say if he did his meditation before and he, was, he paced himself, people would still have, I imagine, the same problems with him because the issue he was raising was basically like, this is very flimsy. You're just making shit up. This is an up, institute you know? of higher learning, like right. allegedly the flagship university of this state, right? Right. Like one of the best public schools yeah. in the country. Yeah. And this was and like a medical school. And you're not allowed to go to a panel discussion and question the premises that are, that are like obviously flimsy, that 25 right. years ago didn't even exist as a, as a notion, really? Right. Right. Yeah. It, it, I'm t- the reaction was a lot worse than I think problem with it. I think it's the fact that what it seems like to me, knowing nothing except what you just played, is that this person came to give a talk – and then this guy in the audience is like, hey, everything you just said, I think you're wrong. That's what college is. Like, I, I, You're supposed to question the things that are being presented as, science, as true, right? That's, and you're supposed to, if you're a fucking doctor who's been doing this for 25 years and allegedly doing all of this study, you should be perfectly well-equipped to swat away the med school kid who's got some slightly less woke notions of what, it, uh, what a microaggression might or might not be. Right. And also, and I should, mean— the, the, it sounded like the the lady didn't want to commit to any sort of concrete standard because I guess she fears that this somebody will exploit that and say, oh, now that it's defined, then somebody will come up with an outside way to aggress or cause some sort of offense to somebody, right? So they're like, keep it open-ended to such a point that where a future interpretation of an aggression could be included, but he's saying – it's so open-ended that it doesn't mean – no one will ever know what's going to cause somebody offense. And right. so like, Whoever what are we doing Whoever wants to here? claim the mantle of victimhood is permitted to claim the mantle of victimhood as long as the right people agree that they've now been permitted to claim the mantle of victimhood. And it right. does this bizarre thing where it takes the power relationship and completely inverses it in the moment, right? So this is just one guy standing up in a room with no power. He's the one that has none of the power in the situation because he's just a kid who stood up to ask a question in a room where nobody else probably agrees with him. And he's asking a question of the authority figure who's on the stage who's giving the talk, right? right. So the implication here that he is somehow the anti the, – the, the problem here is that he's the antisocial one. That he His behavior must be remedied, right? So it's taking right. – the, the power relationship there and suggesting that he was actually the one who transgressed in a way that makes him the more powerful person, that he's the one who did the microaggression on the person who is, by any account that you can conceive of, the obviously more powerful person. Right. As a representative of an institution that then turned around and just dumped all over him. and Because this must have seen many eyes through the email threads and – all of the the decision making chain, like no one said, like what are we doing? We're gonna create some sort of. I, I think the way it went chronologically is that they sent a note of concern, like a little back and forth, and he stuck to his point. 
and then they said they suggested that he take some sort of seek medical profession or psych, some psychological evaluation. And then when that didn't work, they mandated it. And then when that didn't work, they... It's because they really believe this shit, right? They really believe that he's transgressed in an important way and is antisocial in a way that can be dangerous to the whole. Right. right. This is it's a it's a fucking brain disease but inside it, it, academia that's going to tear the whole thing down. But it, you know it 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 manifests in academia in this way. But it's I mean not to draw a comparison to the cop thing, but like this hostility to when somebody's being non-compliant to what you want to happen. Like you have a way of thinking about things, and somebody's like, ah, I don't know, maybe not, and. The way people react is always interesting. Like the cops react, how dare you? And then these academic types, like they, maybe they just sit around reading these books about aggressions and somebody says the slightest thing that's different than that and their brain just goes to mush. They can't imagine. There's got to be something deficient with you. It's and- in conflict with a foundational belief about what the cop believes about the world, that this person will not comply. And it's foundational to the academic types that this person is behaving in a way that is antisocial and that is going to do harm to the poor damaged psyches of all of the young women in the room or whatever, whoever the victim right. class is in this case. Right. And yes, you're, it, I don't think that it's a stretch at all. I think that these are ideologies that are not lightly trampled upon right and whether right. it's the cop who believes that he should have uh, effectively untrammeled power that he should be adhered to that his will should be followed at all times and if not you are putting your life on the line by not following what he has to say it's not all of that much different from what happens in this stupid academic world as well right you're you're breaking a rule of their religion it is becoming very like uh that where it's like there is no different opinion where you can't possibly be like well-meaning and you just think slightly different there's got to be something wrong with you if that's what you think no, and again a, this, uh, somebody else maybe could have drafted his questions a little bit better but i think, think the outcome uh would not have been that much different right it's a fundamentalist mindset at the end of the day i don't know if we have time or any interest in doing this tonight no, we did that instead we've gone on for quite some time here maybe i'll chop this episode into into two episodes or something you should do that crazy like week. that what's wrong with a 90 minute episode they've been going fine anyway we'll see all right philosophy class with abe and the reason that i want to do this in this conversation is because i actually think that this is an interesting discussion and that it relates precisely to the things that we've been talking about tonight in a way that sort of brings it all together. But maybe maybe it doesn't. Maybe that's just my brain doing things that aren't actually there. This is a lesser-known thought experiment. It's something that uh, Wittgenstein, an Austrian philosopher of logic and language and mind... So this is from uh, the Philosophical Investigations. It's called the the Beetle in the Box Thought Experiment. All right. And what you can imagine, we'll keep it as simple as possible, is that the three of us uh, are all holding boxes. And we cannot look at each other's, at what is in each other's boxes. We can only look at what is in our own box. It might be something. It might be nothing. It could be anything. Could be anything. We are told that what is inside the box is a beetle. 
So we don't have any preconceived notions of what a beetle is. The beetle is just happens to be the word that we've given for the thing that is inside the box. And we do not have the same thing. Like I said, we all have different things in our boxes. And we can never look at what's in the other person's box. But we all have beetles? We all have what we're calling a beetle. But that beetle I is a placeholder for anything. might have a cell phone in my box. But the only way that I can describe the cell phone is to say it's uh, glass and metal and rectangular. And it makes funny noises and lights when I touch it. And that's what a beetle is to me. And that's how I describe a beetle to you. And you, so you have no concept of a phone. You're looking at this thing. No concept and you of a think- phone. No concept of a beetle except what I can observe okay. from what's inside my box. Okay, so it's like a who's on first kind of thing. All right, go ahead. You also have this same situation going on. And the, the question is, can any meaning be derived from that sort of what amounts to a private language, right? And the, it's, it's less a thought experiment that it has less of an answer than any other thought experiment, large, which largely don't have answers either. But it's just an, it's an interesting sort of problem that you can start to work through in your mind. So let me ask you something. Uh, so we're able to communicate freely. We just can't see what's in each other's box. Correct. Uh, and we all speak the same language, right? We all speak like the common tongue. Yes. So we would be at the very least be able to distinguish that my beetle and your beetle and Lord's beetle are different, right? Or the same, you know, if let's say we both had a phone and we're describing our beetles as the same thing, like this rectangular black thing. It's like, okay, so we both have the beetle, and then Lori, if you like, yeah. it's like Abe's beetle, and you know, you qualify each one, you know, Abe's beetle, Bob's beetle, Lori's beetle, and they can mean different things, right? Like if Lori had like a beach ball, a right. volleyball, let's say, and she's describing that, we can at the very least be able to say our use of the beetle is not one thing. It's Right. All we all we can say, if we are all accurately describing what is in our boxes, is that beetle is a very broad category. And the only thing that you can actually say about beetle is it's the thing that is in each of our boxes. Right. right. So you, if if we all have three different things in our boxes, the only thing that we can say, as far as a qualifier goes, in a meaningful way, is that a beetle simply describes the thing that is in our box. It doesn't actually describe anything about the thing itself. Because right, every I mean, time it, we it, tried to describe the thing itself, we end up describing three different things. Right, but isn't that like uh, – it, it might as well just be like Larry's. Like my Larry's fat, right? Your Larry's nerdy. Like there are three Larry's, right? Now, why can't you have three different Larry's, right? They're totally – I mean they're, I guess they're all human man, but like – they can have characteristics different from one another, and that could be enough for us to. And at some point, the topic will grow stale. We'll talk right, about other things. Except that in your so in your suggestion, Larry doesn't actually mean anything, right? Larry right. is just an it's an arbitrary stand-in way right, of referring, like names? Of, names referring are just... of referring to a proper nouned thing, right? Right, right. But namings are names are usually mostly just nonsense. You know, like oh, I name my kid Miata. Like, all right. Right, but it, it, it puts a particularly absurdist slant on meaning and on language when you... No, that's true. I mean, so or do we have the ability to change, to say we'll call this just so there's no confusion because Beetle is insufficient? It, it covers too broad 
of things that these three things are nowhere near each other as far as similarity. So could we change the name or we always have to call them Beatles? Right. I think obviously we would eventually change the name that we would. And that's sort of what he gets with. What, what he gets to is that private language is an entirely private personal language is entirely insufficient to describing the world. So the another thought experiment that comes up in the exact same section is a guy who's on a deserted island and uh, being bored and trying not to go completely out of his mind with nothing else to do. He has a notebook and a pencil and he starts describing he's, – he's trying to create a framework of communication and so he – Something happens to him. Let's say he stubs his toe against a coconut on the ground. He writes down as a signifier of that feeling the letter S in his notebook. Okay. So that in the future, any time that he stubs his toe on a coconut that's lying on the deserted island beach, he can refer back to the letter S in his notebook and say, that is the thing that happened, right? Right. But he can't actually explain that. To anyone else who might wash ashore on his deserted island, he can right. he he cannot reliably be certain that when Abe stubs his toe on the coconut on the beach, that it is in fact the same sensation that it is that it means the S that he's written down on his notebook page. Right, but okay. Not at what point did it stop becoming communication? Because if you cannot convey a, a, a thought to somebody. Then are you really? Uh, how are you communicating? Like, if you're not able to be flexible enough to communicate an idea to somebody, then it's just a private language. It's, it doesn't mean anything. Right. That's what. So that's what Wittgenstein basically ends with: is that private languages are completely worthless, and that the only way to convey meaning is to do so as part of a community. That right, the but only. Private la- but I thought private. You know, like you know, sometimes like. Friends or close friends have shorthand and they communicate in such a way where they understand what you mean, you know, what each other means. But to the outside world, it just sounds like gibberish. Right. And you're getting you're getting to exactly where I think this conversation ends up tying back into everything else that we've been talking about tonight, which is that I think that a huge problem in the world uh, and maybe the primary one is that we lack the sort of common language of communication that allows us to effectively do anything, right? right. That the, the world has become so interconnected that so many disparate types of people are trying to communicate with each other on one, on, on not one platform, but on, on the internet, for example, in mass media, in a way that we've never done so before. And we're having very serious problems coming to an understanding of terms, basically. And yeah, that that's a problem that's been true in America for a very long time, where this weird amalgam of of hundreds and hundreds of different cultures and and we're not like all of these goofy European countries where you can go from uh, the border of Spain into France and find yourself in this whole different world. Uh, and And there are two completely different languages and cultures that have to – that that would be in conflict with one another if you threw them together. And that, that's what we've done in this country is you've thrown a uh, thousand different cultures into a blender and expected us all to get along. Right. Maybe – I, I always thought of it as 
we have like shared language. Everybody speaks English mostly, uh, but it's different realities. So where people, whatever bubble they're in, it's like their own right. reality. But what you mean on the buffer when you guys freely say the N word is not right. at all what I mean on cast iron brains. Right. <laughs> if I were to start freely using the N word, right? Right. So it's right. not enough that we have the so-called common language because none of the meaning and that like it, it's this huge fucking problem right. that that. We have this total disconnect between language and meaning across uh, different entry points of the culture. Um, and I think that the Wittgenstein thought experiment gets at that in interesting ways. And I, I don't know – I'm not going to pretend like I think I have some sort of overarching theory here that's fleshed out. But I just think that it's super interesting and I think that there's, there's a way that that connects. I don't know. I'll put a couple links up in the show notes. You can watch a video that attempts to explain the beetle in the box in like 60 seconds or 120 seconds or something. Wittgenstein is very difficult reading as far as philosophy goes. He writes in these just tiny, short little sentences a lot of the time, and you have to like sit with it, each one, for like a half an hour to make sure you know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> anyway, you've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Follow us there. You can just go to the website, brainiron.com, for show notes and other things. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. Real quick, because I don't want to put this off much longer. Old friend of the show, friend of ours anyway, and also, I suppose, the show, uh, Tyler. Hi, Tyler. Hey, Tyler. Used to make the occasional appearance on the, uh, on the Bob and Abe show way back in the day. He wanted us to talk a little bit more about the Deshaun Watson thing. <laughs> the massage thing? Yeah. So he was talking with a customer. He's in the he's a front-facing customer service type of person. She was a big fan of the Clemson Tigers. She brought up the I'm just reading from a message Tyler sent me. She brought up the accusations against Watson and her quote was that that young man has more integrity in his pinky than any other student that's ever set foot on that campus. He found that hilarious and the absurdity of the statement, and it makes him wonder if his pinky is so virtuous, how pious is his penis? <laughs> anyway, the larger conversation would be tribalism and the stupidity of it. It took, for instance, Herschel Walker going full Trump for me to forgive him for his UGA allegiance, <laughs> which is really a, it's really a joke, but also based on a simple truth. If a UGA player is arrested, I view it as a larger indictment of the UGA program. And Tyler it's lack- hates Georgia. I mean, I think that's clear I don't from think the context. That it's obvious. <laughs> I view it as a larger indictment on the UGA program and its lack of integrity, whereas I'm much more likely to excuse a similar infraction by one of the Lord's chosen college football players at Georgia Tech. I'm fairly intelligent and aware of this absurdity, and yet the siren song is hard for me to resist. Why are we so stupid and how do we stop ourselves from being so? Or should we even seek to rid ourselves of this sort of tribalism, or do we need these groups to feel a sense of inclusion and security? The short answer is uh, no. We just are that stupid, and we will never rid ourselves. We'll find other ways. My uh, my friend uh, Micah is also a Clemson alum, and uh, he's uh, singing the same tune. So this tribal thing is uh, widespread. Yeah, of course, it is. What are, you know? They, they know each other, and whatever. It's just the ra- I'm just a random fan of the Falcons or the Bulldogs or. Oh, no, but col- you feel warm and fuzzy when you see those guys. Those are your friends. 
Same with your characters on the TV show that are made up. I have never, ever had that problem with UGA players. I don't know if if I'm immune to it or whatever. But when when a UGA player does something stupid, I'm like, you fucking moron. I've never hesitated. Right. To call and the you, eighteen to twenty-two year old idiots on the right. football team yes, fucking morons when they behave as morons, now. it doesn't matter. Like it, and, if Deshaun Watson were on the Giants and he were accused of these things, I'd be like, hey, he's fucking asshole. Right. Like, we were on the Braves. I mean, what if it was Freddie Freeman? It depends on the situation, right? So, for example, there was this guy. His name was Robert Fick. He was a Brave for one season, I think, and. In the playoffs in like 2002 or 2003 or something, he's running down first base and he reaches out and smacks the glove away, I think, or something. Is that what it was? That was an A-Rod thing. I can't remember. Robert Fick was a shitty brave and he did something stupid and I had no problem whatsoever being like, that was fucking shitty. Right. And I've, I've like, if it turns out that. Andrew Jones did a whole bunch of uh, performance-enhancing drugs in the 90s, but and I found out about it. But that's not what this is about. This is oh. about sexual assault. PED, I would look the other way, even for the opposing team. I don't know. I, like, I don't... If you found out that Andrew Jones was I would have forcing... no. I would have no problem whatsoever dismissing Andrew Jones as a piece of shit if Andrew Jones was credibly accused of sexually assaulting a bunch of women. I, it doesn't... I don't... It doesn't play into my thinking whatsoever. Uh, I, I, I think what Tyler is trying to say is that he's – and that is a slightly more honest way of putting it, which is he, he's quicker to condemn the whole program based on the actions yeah. of one kid oh, yeah. than he would be to condemn the whole program based on the actions of a team that uh, – one kid on a team that he roots for. What yeah. I'm saying is I tend not to think – that whole programs can be condemned based on the actions of one kid because I don't actually believe and, that that there's any difference in the quality of human being that ends up on one team versus ends up on another team, right? Right. Unless it's LSU or some school like that yeah, where they cover Yeah, unless it's LSU it or Tennessee right. who we all three of us could say they pick up the garbage of the SEC or Auburn. And Auburn, yeah. Like we say that cuz we're not fans of those teams. Right, but like for example, I mean, not to make this entirely too fucking parochial, but Mark Richt had a certain standard of behavior that he alleged to keep to, right, and that he would send people packing if they a did the wrong Christian thing. Man. Yes. Well, whatever, but like the, there is an element of the culture of a program that can be at play here, right? And right. some things are permitted, and other things are not. And maybe you believe that. If you believe they're all just like crabs in a bucket, that, that they're all just secretly evil at the bottom anyway, and Kirby is paying these kids $80,000 under the table or something like that, and the whole thing is a fraud, then maybe, like, I don't know, maybe right. that's the case. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I don't think that I would have the – but, like, my tribal instinct has never been strong. I don't buy any of the heritage stuff. I don't buy any of the ancestry stuff. But like, you, I'm just do not, you, you do get that – when people are willingly associating with something, they want that thing to be good, right? You don't want to think of your rooting interest to be a bunch of criminals. I don't know. Or- I don't know how people actually think that 
like you can root for college football and think that you're rooting for something that is good. They're amateurs. Like I, they study math on no, Mondays. Right, <laughs> no, I just accept the fact that this is a fallen world and everything uh, <laughs> largely sucks. And I get a good deal of entertainment out of rooting for one team over the other. And right. I recognize the utter arbitrariness of the fact that I ended up rooting for the Atlanta Braves and the New York football giants and the Georgia Bulldogs, right? Like it's, it's completely out of my control. It's just a thing that happened. And I don't think that my guys are any better than anybody else's guys i mean but fuck the phillies obviously (laughs) just root for uh, miss field goals i think what tyler is talking about is like a gut reaction not a logical one but like when you hear something about a former georgia player or a brave your immediate instinct is to go that's probably bullshit and also the braves are great well except that in the exact speaking Precisely to the opposite of that instinct in me anyway, when that idiot DeAndre Baker was seemingly credibly accused of like pulling a gun on people and trying to rob a bunch of people at a party. My thought was not, not, that's not possible. He's a good Georgia boy. And and I'm like, no, my thought was, oh, this fucking moron. What are you doing? (laughs) And then it turns out he didn't even fucking do the thing. As it turns out, it was all made up. And it was like this weird extortion plot by some other pieces of shit. But my instinct in that moment was not to say, Oh, I, I, I don't believe that for a second. He was a paragon of integrity when he was with the Georgia Bulldogs just by virtue oh. of the fact that Kirby Smart liked him I, so much. I, I think those kind of sto- quarterbacks are d- different, too. Yeah. And also those stories are easier. Like, oh, this idiot had some weed on him or DUI or something yeah, like that. It sounds about right. Worse, like somebody who had an otherwise clean uh, face was like sexually assaulting people. Like what if Matt Ryan was like slinging meth or whatever, had like a meth house like that? You would initially like what? No, that can't be. What because if Mike that's not- Vick had a whole dog fighting that's right. ring? <laughs> that's not more plausible. But like, they had immediately video evidence. If there's any sort of vacuum of information where it's like allegations for a few weeks, then the people will defend. But if there's evidence, like, oh, here are the dog things. It's like, okay, he did it. Right. And I, I recognize, like, and yeah, sure, the immediate gut reaction thing, yes, 100%. I'm not trying to say that uh, Tyler is wrong or bad or right. something for having right. that feeling. But if you can't, if you're completely unable to take a half step back and examine that from a, a slightly more objective point of view and realize what it is is going on there, then yeah, you're you're a bad person, probably. Like, I have no problem. It's, it's a process. They'll all come to their senses, like all these uh, Clemson homers. Just give them time. There's an entire program at Penn State still. Oh, that's right. No yeah. one's coming to any senses. <laughs> that's true. What have we been watching, Lori? What did we watch recently? I don't know. We talked to your family. We watched, we're still watching the, oh, the pottery thing. We're watching the pottery mm. thing. Oh, is that a good it's thing? It's like the Great British Baking Show. No, nope, we already it's described pottery. it last time. We don't have to talk about it again. It's stupid. Oh, that, well, it's that still show. great. <laughs> Well, that's what we're watching. We watched Hook with the kids. We watched Hook and it's One so good. of Steven Spielberg's uh, decidedly lesser films. Oh, oh I don't God, think I've seen that. It's so good. I haven't I didn't pick up the three body problem all week because I was busy cleaning out the whole goddamn basement. Hey, we've recorded for well over two hours tonight. Have you? Uh, you can't possibly have anything else for us tonight. You would think so, but no, I actually do, Bob. There's plenty of room for, for this story. 
as you know, former government officials often head over to the private sector for a nice payday once their term of public service has ended. It's a revolving door. Round and round it goes. Did you know that Robert Redfield, the guy that looks like Santa Claus, maybe, if you dressed him up in the right way, uh, he was the CDC director for Trump from 2018 to 2021. He recently made his transition. Redfield has been hired, and this is true, as a strategic health and safety advisor for a company that manufactures and sells large ventilation devices. That's right. Robert Redfield has gone to work for the company known as Big Ass Fans. I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then, and we will talk to you next time. Later. Yes. So, have you ever been in the presence of one of these big I've ass fans? I've never heard. I had to Google it just to oh see. Oh my God, they're so big. They're, so, they're so, literally big ass fans. Like, that's like the first. And I love Snoop. Like, oh, by the way, this. <laughs> oh, God. When he died, I went to watch. Because you know, because we're now, Lori demanded that I ask you to pronounce this. No, no. The, the <laughs> no, I didn't. You didn't. The, the rap That's battle, she did. The, you know the rap battle YouTube Abe doesn't thing know any that they better do? than you. I said one over of Abe's friends. He does. He does. He's about to say it, but you're talking over him the way that a Is white woman would. Go ahead and pronounce it for us, Abe. Well, I thought it was Versus, but apparently it's Versus. Oh, it's just called Versus? So, yeah, we, uh, many episodes ago, we did it on the other podcast, and I kept on calling it Versus, and everybody was looking at me funny, but I like, it's not spelled like Versus. But it's just Versus. Yeah, they're All just right. trying to be hip with a Z. You know, so when kids. he died, I went to YouTube to find the Snoop Dogg v. DMX versus. And I watched it and enjoyed it. It was a charming little thing. But that is a very stupid format, I must say. Oh, yeah. Where you All stand right. there like, and you rap along to your own songs as they play like in the background. Is that not karaoke? Yeah, is that not yeah karaoke? you're doing karaoke to your yeah, own stuff. Your, right. Yeah. And like hundreds of thousands is? of people watch. No, in a concert, you play the fucking music. I guess but a lot rap concerts rapper? are sort of karaoke. But, but right, that is true. They do a lot of that. There's not a lot of like you know. Uh, they have the they don't play. music in the background. But didn't this come up uh, during the early days of the pandemic when people had literally nothing yes. to do and they were just, so they're like, I'll watch anything. I yeah. watched and the very ladies. I've watched Dropkick Murphys twice. Oh, they're on Versus. No, no, no. There's not a, a bare naked ladies versus. No, they're not invited. <laughs> Who would they even go against? It'd be great. Plugging Molly, obviously. Stupid question. Everybody, like, not to go full crabs in a bucket, but everybody fucking sucks, right? Yeah. Everybody's got their goddamn problems. And, and if you want to enjoy humanity, then, like, have a kid and love the kid and love your parents and love your friends. But don't go trying to tear down people that you never met who can't defend themselves. Over personal who, stuff, yeah. Right. Also, doesn't Who's, matter. Doesn't matter at all. Just don't read it then. Engage right. with the work if you're interested no, in the work. I would say uh, no one's pitching a no-hitter, so let's not get too carried away. Like, you know, he's known for this good stuff, right? Although it would be a much shorter documentary, so they can flush it out with all the bad stuff. It's fine. And Pierre's Andrew Limbong has this appreciation. I show no love to homo thugs. Empty out below the domo thugs. How you gonna explain fucking a man? DMX's voice had a texture to it. Woo!
Hey, NBC News viewers, thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe by clicking on that button down here and click on any of the videos over here to watch the latest interviews, show highlights, and digital exclusives. Thanks for watching. Literally tears at the fabric of society.